Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Podcast. Uh, we're coming to you here uh, as we kind of hit the middle of of December here, and we sort of ease into the the holiday break period. But we get we get a little bit of of uh, interesting games sprinkled in here. Um, I'm I'm Steven, as always, here with everyone's favorite co-host, Brett. Brett, how are you feeling? First of all, happy Hanukkah, Steve. Uh, I'm good. It's, you know, it's as you've mentioned, it's it's finals time uh, for for most of these teams. So they're kind of taking some time off. Not a lot of big games, a lot of kind of uh, buy games as we ease towards the as teams want to kind of ease towards the start of conference season and uh, get all that going. So but, yeah, there's still still good amount of, good amount to talk about and uh, yeah. excited to dive into it. So so things things will be. I'd say quieter than normal, you know, from us over the last, over the next, you know, kind of week or so here, we're still going to talk about what happened. Um, just a reminder is kind of where, where things stand. So most, um, I believe every team has played at least one conference game so far as, uh, you know, the, the conference now, you know, does a one to two game per team slate of early December conference play. It's usually slated sort of right after the MTEs finish up um, and kind of get sprinkled in with other premier non-conference matchups that um, take place. So we've, we've taken you through that up to this point. That's that's behind us. Um, and, you know, now we're sort of in this intermediate period where there are still some premier games going on, but um, it's, it's a lot of cupcakes and it, it, the volume of games is less as... Um, as athletes are working through finals and on holiday breaks, but things, things will pick back up again, really starting on the first of the year when conference play heats up. So even though it might um, seem like a prolonged break, um, it, it's not that long before things will shift into high gear here. The, the theme of this past week, you know, really, I, I think it's kind of a tale of, of kind of two sides of the conference. Um, there, there weren't a lot of games played this week, but, um, a lot of teams played sort of premier games, particularly on Saturday. Um, teams towards the top of the conference um, were in national TV showcases against non-conference opponents, and, and those didn't really go well. Um, but th- there were some kind of under-the-radar wins by teams in the middle of the conference that um, were interesting. And so we'll spend the majority of the time talking about that, um, and then we'll obviously take you through what's to come this following week. So. Let's start, Brett, with the premier game that took place in the middle of the week when the UCLA Bruins went to College Park. Um, and I think keep in mind the context here. So Maryland, you know, coming off a two-game losing streak, but uh, two losses to two losses that we would we, no one would really dub their their first two losses bad losses. You know, they their their statement was getting that win against Illinois, but lost to Wisconsin, lost to Tennessee last week. They come in and get absolutely romped by UCLA. What's your takeaway now that we find the Terrapins on a three-game losing streak? Uh, so in, interesting question. I think, I mean, the, the big takeaway, I think, from that game more has to do with UCLA than Maryland. I mean, coming into, you know, a, a, a ranked ranked road road game, uh, UCLA showed out and in, in a really big way. I mean, they they you know, shot really well from, from two, pretty well from three, only turned the ball over four times and turned Maryland over 16 times. Um, and I think with 
Maryland. So, so that's, that's that UCLA is a really good team. They're one of the best teams in the country. And I think that's, that's a big thing, but also like, I think some of the concerns that we had about this Maryland team before the season started are really beginning to show themselves. And their, their leading scorer that game in, in this game was Ian Martinez, who came off the bench, hit four threes. You got not that. I mean, Dante Scott kind of, you know, he had 12 and six, a couple assists. Um, Hart was nowhere to be seen. Jameer Young uh, really couldn't get going offensively. Donald Carey has, has really kind of fallen off and, and been, I'd say, pretty disappointing so far. And they really got nothing out of Reese either. And I mean, if if two of their starters are are really not having good games, especially in the the trio of of Scott Hart and and Reese, uh, you're really going to be searching for for ways to kind of get offense moving. And I don't know how much you can count on Ian Martinez to to keep going off like that. But I, I think that like their lack of depth, especially against quality opposition, is starting to become apparent. And this is kind of more of the. I mean. I don't think Maryland in a vacuum is 27 points worse than UCLA, but I mean, they, they certainly didn't play like they were on, on Wednesday. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. So UCLA had a, a really good win to follow up that Maryland win against Kentucky on Saturday. So they, they go two and zero on the East coast, you know, it shows there for real. Um, I think the biggest thing that stood out to me, in that Maryland UCLA game was, was turnovers. UCLA only had four turnovers. Maryland had 16. Um, I mean, that, you know, that's, that's a recipe for, for getting trounced. There's a good opportunity yeah, for Maryland to reset and kind of take a deep breath before we get into conference play. But I, I do agree with you that um, the lack of depth could be fatal for them when it, it comes to surviving conference play um, when they, they play kind of games like this back to back to back. Shifting gears now, um, another kind of top tier Big Ten team, the Indiana Hoosiers, went to Allen Fieldhouse in in Kansas on Saturday, and they got run out of the building, to to put it nicely. Uh, Kansas sort of dominated that game from the start, and you know it's another example of this Indiana team getting out to a slow start and not being able to hang with a nationally prominent. Um, team now it's it's hard for anyone to go into Lawrence and win but you know for those that were I think dreaming of this Hoosier team being able to win the the Big Ten and and you know maybe even make a tournament run I mean I think this definitely makes you pause now I don't know that Kansas might be better than every single team in the Big Ten so you know uh, I don't, I don't know that this is necessarily an indictment but Indiana's looked shaky against, you know, top 10 competition, uh, you know, in, in multiple instances this year. So I guess what do you make of of Indiana's performance in Lawrence? I mean, it was horrible, pretty much, to say to say the least. I think there was no movement offensively. They were they weren't getting back on defense. Kansas was really able to kind of get out and run on run on them in transition off missed shots, of which there were plenty. Uh, for for Indiana, I think I mean the big thing that really hurts is Xavier Johnson going down with with a foot injury. Um, you know the the details on his recovery and and how much time he might be out are still kind of TBD. So that obviously is a huge blow because you know Xavier Johnson is far from the best point guard in the Big Ten, but at least he's a point guard that can run the offense and has kind of trended trended up upwards a little bit recently, um, and especially at the end of last season. So you're probably going to see more of more of guys like Tamar Bates, and you're going to see more of Jalen Hood-Shafino on the ball, 
which, I mean, you can see it with Hochevino. You can see why he was so highly recruited. I mean, I think this is kind of a big step up for him to have to take. But, I mean, again, teams have, the last couple of games have really shown t- how to defend Indiana, and that's just by doubling all their bigs. I mean, Indiana, again, shot 31% from three against Kansas, um, and they were able to generate some pretty good looks out of double teams. Um, you know, Jackson Davis was able to kind of read, make better reads on, on offense and, and figure out ways to get the ball out of his hands to his shooters. They just don't have anyone that can make shots. Hood Shafino is two for five from three. Miller Kopp, who's their shooter, was two for six. You know, and Tamar Bates, who's again kind of stepped up a little bit this year, was one for five. And I mean, against teams that know how to defend Jackson Davis and have the, the defensive capacity to do so, you need guys to hit shots and, and, they're still not doing it. I, th- I think Indiana is still, well, I guess they're, they're at about 36. They're, they are at 36% on the season. Um, so it's a little bit better than I was, I was thinking, but the last two games have really shown that against high level competition, they don't really have many shot makers. And I think that's going to be their downfall. Uh, even if they can not start giving up fewer than 80 points a game. Right. Well, and, and as I said, frankly, there, there's probably not a team in this conference that's as good as Arizona or Kansas. So, it, you know, every, every I think every team, you know, in, in the Big Ten has, you know, a, a flaw that you, you, they all have strengths, they all have weaknesses, right? And there's no dominant team, I think, up to this point. So um, even though I think, you know, we've started to see certain teams separate themselves from the pack. So, um, you know, Indiana could still end up, you know, they, they may have enough to be better than, you know, 90% of the conference. But, um, yeah, I think. They're going to need a lot of things to shake out right if they have a long tournament run um, in them. Because as we've talked about, you know, a lack of lack of point guard play, lack of shooting. Um, what what happens when Trace Jackson Davis gets in foul trouble? These are all things that, if any of those things go wrong, the wheels start to fall off. The the last of the premier games that took place. Um, so uh, at the CBS Sports Classic in. Um, at Madison Square Garden, we had the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on North Carolina, um, and 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 they were dominating for a, a lot of the early part of that game. They went up 14 points on North Carolina at one point, and I think you know keep in mind the context on North Carolina. So they were number one, they're number one ranked team at one point um, in this season. They they struggled, you know, they already have four losses in the non-conference. You know, they struggled, fell out of the rankings. But there's there's still a lot of um, pedigree on this team from last year, um, and and they showed it in climbing back into that game. And the, the the highlight of that game being the the buzzer beater that former Big Ten player Pete Nance, the Northwestern transfer, hit to send the game to overtime, where North Carolina would eventually win. Um, I think we're we're having a tough time figuring out where Ohio State slots in in the conference right right now. I think that they've proven that they can hang with tougher teams. Remember, they they played Duke also this year, and they they hung with them in a tough game. I don't know that this loss ends up making the the difference really for them. But what do we make of this Ohio State team? Just you know, given we've we've, we've seen a good sample of them in the non conference play, they they look like they could be a sleeper contender to win the Big Ten. But there are other times where you look at them and you know the lack of a superstar um, it seems to really hurt them. That's a really good, really good last point you made, and and I hadn't really thought about it that way. I think, I think this is a really is a team that's better than we had we had expected, kind of coming into the year. And they've got they've got four or five guys that can really really kind of make plays for them. We, you you saw J- 
Justice Suing get a couple really tough buckets on on drives down the stretch of the game. Bryce Sensabaugh had 22 points and was nine for 17 from the field as he's really kind of started becoming the latest freshman Buckeye to break out. Zed Key has been playing Zed really. Key, Zed Key made yeah. a big three down the stretch of that game. Mm-hmm, exactly, and that's expanding his game a little bit. I don't think we've seen him shoot that much, but he's been he's been much improved on the offensive on the offensive side of the ball this year. So I think there's a there's enough in place where they have enough good players to be a threat in the Big Ten. You know, kind of be in contention for that double buy. Um, and when you look at their resume so far. Out of their three losses, they've lost to a very good San Diego State team, Duke, and and this UNC team. So I, I'm not seeing anything bad. I'm not seeing anything that would make them def like not a tournament team. But you know, great teams win one of those games. Great teams don't drop this 14 point lead to a UNC team that you know has has been very up and down, even though they do have a significant amount of talent. But I still think, especially given the youth and the fact that they were missing Isaac Likely again this game as he, I believe, deals with a personal matter. I'm liking what I'm seeing so far, and I, th- I think Ohio State's trending up even if they did couldn't pull this game out, if that if that makes sense to you. Yeah, I agree, and I think keep in mind, they've got a, they've got a win over Texas Tech in a non-conference. I, I don't, they've got a win over Cincinnati, too. I don't know what that's going to be worth, but uh, it's not like they've, they've gotten nothing on that resume. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see how things land as, as far as they go. Um, okay, so those were kind of the three premier matchups of the week. Moving to to some of the more under radar under the radar performances, so we'll 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 just hit on two quickly here. So um, Rutgers has been kind of up and down through the first month or so of the season, but they got uh, you know a, a nice win over Wake Forest. I know you know not necessarily a a, a good win or a premier win, but I mean they they whooped the crap out of them. They won by twenty four points, you know, and I think. Kind of like we talked about Ohio State sort of trending up. This Rutgers team, now that they're healthy, they look like they're, uh, they look like they're trending up. They have five guys in double figures um, in this win. Mulcahy's back. Yeah, he had seven assists in that game. Caleb McConnell doing his thing on the defensive end, and Cliff Omaruri. I mean, if it weren't for the big man talent in the conference, he'd he'd be an all-conference big guy any other year. So I think Rutgers definitely trending up. You know, and then Northwestern, I, we, you know, we, we've kind of I feel like we laugh every time we talk about them because, you know, we did kind of say in our preview, well, you know, they've got a lot of roster continuity. Right. You know, and <laughs> I, I mean, they're actually like not in a bad spot as they go into conference play. It's just going to be a matter of if they win. But they I mean, they shellacked DePaul, which we know, you know, DePaul has their own issues, but they're you know, they're in the Big East and they're actually not as terrible as they are in in, in most years and they held them to 45 points. Chase each had a career day. Um, Northwestern's defense at least looks, looks like it's for real. So yeah, I think those are, I think two wins that, you know, may end up helping both of these teams that will probably be close to the bubble as, as conference um, as, as we get to March, any, anything of note with, with respect to those two wins? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to note that this Wake Forest team has a victory over Wisconsin. So for Rutgers to come in and, and hold them and, and, Again, turning, forcing turnovers for both both of these teams, both Rutgers and Northwestern, is going to be huge. I mean, Northwestern forced 22 DePaul turnovers in, in a 74-possession game. That's pretty crazy. Uh, it's good for almost 30% of, of their possessions ending in turnovers. And so I think, you know, after after that pit game, I'm, I feel like the, the defensive end was really kind of an emphasis uh, for Chris Collins going forward. And, and, you know, in addition to 28 points, Chase Adish had five steals. So... 
you know, you really you really saw a concerted effort on the defensive end from Northwestern in that game. Uh, and Rutgers, I think, like you said, just making sure that everyone getting was getting healthy is huge. I mean, Paul Mulcahy being back to run the offense is is a big, big, you know, relief for these guys. Uh, and as you said, you know, Cliff O'Marie, very, very quietly having having an excellent season. Uh, and he, you know, he had 14 and, and nine with, uh, you know, a, a steal in there, too, for good measure. Um, so, yeah, I think r- the key for Rutgers getting four guys in double figure or five guys in double figures, actually, with with Andre Hyatt off the bench, really kind of being able to get offense from multiple sources is something they needed to go up to go alongside their defense. And uh, so, again, yeah, just. Really good showing as they as they kind of look to get some solid wins uh, to make up for the time without Mulcahy and and McConnell at the beginning of the year. And then kind of the last thing to note from this week, I think most of the other matchups were cupcakey in nature, but um, just wanted to call out the Purdue Davidson game that took place on Saturday. So you know whether Purdue is sleepwalking through part of this is I think up to your own opinion, but. This Davidson team, you know, did give Purdue some issues. Um, uh, it, you know, this was a one-point game at half. This was in Indianapolis. Purdue shot three of 25 from three in this game. And, you know, maybe you can just chalk that up to a, an off night. Um, it, it didn't end up mattering. You know, Purdue won this game by eight. Edie had, had 29 and 16. So, you know, ho-hum there. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe a sign that I think, Purdue at least um, flinched, but um, they'll likely remain comfortable in that number one ranking despite this. It's also, I think, a, on a funnier note, this was the uh, the matchup of the the lawyer brothers. Um, the you uh, those of you that are true Big Ten fans out there obviously know that the younger of the lawyer brothers, you know, starting on Purdue, but the older lawyer brother who um, was previously on Michigan State is one of the starters for Davidson. He actually had 11 and 10 in this game. He dished out 10 assists, although on four of 16 shooting from the field. So, you know, that was a a fun matchup, I think, to, to watch there. But I think the other thing just to note about Edie here is it's not just, you know, the fact that he continues to be putting together a national player of the year um, resume, but he was 11 of 15 from the free throw line in this game. So, you know, I mean, if, if he shoots like that from free throws, he's, I mean, you're not going to be able to game plan against him because he'll he'll just be able to do everything. Um, I, I think Brett, anything you want to call out on on either this matchup or any of the other matchups to note before we get into the preview? Yeah, I think I think you pretty much covered it with Edia. He's shooting 72% from the line this year, so you you know they have teams have to respect that and consider it when when there are end of game scenarios and also just when defending him in the post in general. Yeah, I think. Good teams find ways to win when things go wrong. And I would say shooting three for 25 from three is the definition of things going wrong. They left a couple points on the free throw line. They only forced nine turnovers and they actually turned the ball over more, but they found a way to win. They, they, they didn't foul. And I think that's the big thing because this, this Davidson team, you know, they've got some shooters they've got, although they didn't shoot well from the free throw line yesterday, but by only committing 11 fouls, you know, you're keeping yourself out of, out of dangerous situations, especially at the end of the game when things get tight um, and you know, it's a good learning experience, especially for guys like Braden Smith and Fletcher lawyer, who, again, as they head into their first season of conference play are kind of getting a lot of really good experience that will serve them well down the stretch in the big 10. Um, you know, I, I think there still is a blueprint to beat this Purdue team, um, just like any other team in the big 10, but they've done really well at overcoming games, like, especially, you know, 
last week with the Nebraska game too. And they're finding ways to win when they're not shooting well. And I think that's, that's a sign of good thing. That's a thing I'd be excited about if I were, if I were a Purdue, Purdue fan. Yeah, for, for sure. Um, okay. So we'll now shift gears, talk about what to watch for this week. So as we talked about, it's a lighter slate this week. So most, most of the teams have at least one game, um, many of which are, again, you know, against um, sort of uh, against lesser quality opponents. There are, I think, two two sort of, I wouldn't even call them premier games, but there are two games that I'd tune into if you're just looking to see the Big Ten against higher-level competition. First comes on Wednesday when um, Michigan takes on North Carolina in the, uh, the Jumpman Invitational. So... Kind of an interesting storyline going into this game. So North Carolina probably with, you know, coming off their one of their better wins of the season against Ohio State appear to finally have some momentum. Um, and Michigan's been up and down, I think, to say the least in this non-conference play. And they don't really have a high quality win um, on their resume yet. So I think great opportunity for North Carolina to continue the momentum and for Michigan to pick up, you know, a semi quality non-conference win. So I think that tune into that, I think to see how both of those teams approach that. Um, and then on Thursday, um, we've got the bragging rights game where Illinois takes on Missouri. Um, that one's always fun to turn, tune into. Um, Missouri's 10 and one. And actually um, they are coming off a crazy buzzer beating win um, against UCF. If you haven't seen the video of that, definitely take a look at that. Um, you know, these, these two teams do not like each other. Um, and so we'll see if Illinois is up to the task, but yeah, this game's being played in St. Louis at a, at a neutral site. Um, and it's always fun when these, these two get together. I think Brett, anything so you're looking out for in particular with these two games. So I think an under a thing to note with, with Michigan UNC specifically is that it's basically an away game for, uh, Michigan. I guess this game's in Charlotte for some reason. Um, so I'm, you know, Michigan fans travel well, but UNC, it'll be right down the road from them. And, uh, you know, so that's, that's if they're, you know, in the same state. So that's something to look forward to. It'll be a heavily partisan crowd, I think. And I mean, in that game, the mat the matchup is, is the battle of the bigs. You've got Armando Baycott going up against Hunter Dickinson, and that's going to be, that's going to be a really good one. Baycott's, Baycott's very physical and is more of an around the rim player. Not, not necessarily as much of a shooter as Dickinson is. But I mean, he plays he plays hard. He plays physical. He's given up a little bit of size, but he's going to be quicker. And so I'm I'm interested to see if if Dickinson can, you know, kind of match that energy on defense and also be able to have a have a good game uh, against a, a very good interior defender. I think Michigan's game plan is probably going to revolve around letting Caleb Love shoot as many threes as he wants to because he's a high volume, low percentage three point shooter. I think he's at like 28 percent on the year or something like that. Uh, in in a you know not in, so. But they, you know, this this team has kind of found their sort of found their footing after you know a, a rough start to the season. They lost four in a row, but they're they're back at it. Um, you know, as we talked about, big win over Ohio State. Uh, yes, Caleb Love is 29% from three. On holy shit, is he taking like eight threes a game? Yikes. So that's going to revolve around that, and I think you'll see Doug McDaniel really try and try and pester pester Caleb Love. And I think that you know, there's there's. They've got some familiarity with Pete Nance, so I think I think the battle of the bigs is going to be, it'll be determinative for the game, and I think you know it'll just be who's who's secondary place. Can Jet Howard get hot from three? Can you know, uh, can they stop R.J. Davis? 
So I think I think that's going to have a lot of really good like individual matchups, and it'll be a, a good chess match chess match between Jawan Howard and Hubert Davis uh, on on the bench. And then bragging rights, like you said, Missouri off to a really hot start this year. Um, of note that they've only beaten two teams in the in the top hundred per Ken Palm so far: uh, Wichita State, who they squeaked by, and then that crazy finish against UCF, which. People should be watching UCF. They're actually pretty good. They've got a they got a they got a lottery pick on that team. Um, so that's fun. But I think Illinois is really just going to be trying to get back get get back to to winning games after uh, you know they they had a tune up game against Alabama and A and M on Saturday. Um, but after that Penn State blowout, you know it's I think they're really kind of this is the game they want to show up for. It'll be a crazy environment. It always is down at uh, down in St Louis. And, um, but yeah, I think it's going to be getting Terrence Shannon going again. It's going to be getting Meyer going, um, and just kind of hoping that their, their, you know, their defense is, is able to, to get out on three point shooters. So I think it'll be a good, good kind of look into where Illinois is at this part in the season, uh, mentally and, you know, ability wise. As, as I mentioned, you know, I think the rest of the slate this week is, um, uninspiring to say the least, but We'll leave you with sort of a couple of um, not notable games to tune into, but just intriguing matchups that, you know, if, if you're if you've got some free time and you want to tune into them, um, this is where you should, I think, focus that attention. So for, for me, at least one of them is this Nebraska game against Queens University. Um, so I, it, it for only those of you that like follow what's going on in the mid majors. So Queens has been kind of a nice story to start off the year. They're, they're nine and two. It's their first season in D one, I believe. And um, you know, now we can see them against the big 10 team. So um, look for that game. I believe it's on Tuesday. Um, if you, if you want to check them out um, another game on Tuesday, that's modestly interesting. So UIC takes on Northwestern UIC, Eight and four, um, you know, they're, they're not good by any means, but Northwestern's in the midst of their playing inner city Chicago <laughs> teams as they they just uh, they just beat DePaul, as we talked about. And so we'll see if they can kind of keep their momentum going. Uh, Northwestern's sitting at eight and two to start the season. So, you know, they've got if, if they want to, you know, entertain us and go like 500 in conference play, they may have a shot at the tournament. Um, and then. The other matchup I think that's interesting is on Thursday, St. St. Peter's heads to Maryland. Um, St. Peter's obviously notable for being the darling of last year's tournament. Um, you know, they, they lost a lot and, you know, have a, have a new coach. So it's not the same St. Peter's team. But, you know, we, we did spend a lot of time talking about Maryland and how they need their reset. So let's see if they can stop their three-game losing streak um, and, and start to right the ship. Brett, any, anything you're looking at? in the rest of the matchups other than the, the two premier ones that we talked about. So I'm, I'm very intrigued by this Nebraska Queens game because Queens has beaten, they've knocked off a, a pretty good Manhattan team and, you know, they've been very competitive in their first season up in D one in the, in the ACE sun, I believe. Um, and I mean, Nebraska's had kind of a rough go of it recently. They got blown out by Kansas state. Uh, and they're on a three-game skid of their own, even though they did look okay against that in, against Purdue in a really ugly game. But I mean, this is this is a game they can lose if they're not if they're looking ahead to kind of Christmas and and that Iowa game. So I think that this is one of those games where if they want people to even take them seriously, like even with the Creighton win, like they got they got to win this game. And 
you know, maybe not do so super convincingly, but like they, they can't lose to they can't lose to Queens. But, you know, with the way Queens has been playing and the way that Nebraska has been playing, it's it I think it could be closer than the uh, 10 point prediction on uh, on Ken Palm would indicate. Yeah, I think I think Northwestern kind of keep keeping being able to stack these wins is is really important if they want to push for, you know, a tournament bid. I think I mean, losing to UIC would be would be pretty bad. I mean, it's there's really kind of no way around it. They're they're in the 240s on Ken Palm. And Northwestern only, I mean, Pitt might end up being a pretty bad loss, but at least their only two losses have been to Power 5 teams. So they, they need to kind of keep that rolling if they, well, they really do play basically every Illinois team. That's very funny. Um, and then, yeah, Maryland, again, this is just like a tune-up game. Like, St. Peter's has been pretty bad, but again, like Maryland, if they really want to kind of prove they're out of their losing losing streak, they should uh, really just dominate this game. And they, I see no reason. I think, you know, Maryland has has played... Uh, pretty well for the most part against these kind of the lower tier teams. They've they've really kind of blown out most of them. So I think this that St. Peter's game should be no different. All right, that's that's all that we have for you today. Uh, I know lower volume week coming up this week, but we'll still be with you throughout. So thanks as always for tuning in. Um, have a safe holidays to all of you out there celebrating, and we'll be back with you next week.